0: I think it's important to note, like, I really wanted to be a mother. I really immediately felt in love and bonded with both of my children. I felt very overwhelmed in love with them. I felt very um, joyful at the time.
1: Claudia Naeem first became a mother in 2017. She was thrilled to be a mom. But she also noticed soon after giving birth to her first child that she was struggling with things like sadness, anxiety, and lack of sleep.
0: Within a couple of weeks, I started to feel like Is this baby blues? Because you know, you hear so much, that's normal, that's normal, that's normal, that's normal. It's so hard. And I think particularly with mothers, so much of the language is like, you're amazing. Mothers are amazing. And you're like, no, 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 I'm really struggling. And then they're like, I don't know how you do it. And you're like, no, I'm not, please help me.
1: Then in 2020, Claudia gave birth to her second child, and she noticed those symptoms that she'd felt right after her first pregnancy were back. And they were even more intense.
0: It felt like quicksand. It felt like I was trying really, really hard to hold on to myself, and I could not. And I felt like anything that I would grasp, like joy or satisfaction, it would be like that would hold me. It felt really hopeless. Claudia
1: was experiencing postpartum depression. It's a very common condition. One in seven women can experience it after childbirth, and it's also one of the leading causes of maternal mortality. And yet, a pill to specifically target postpartum depression hasn't been available, ever, until now. Sabrina Molly, a health reporter at The Post, has been watching the development of this new pill.
2: In August, the FDA approved a pill to treat postpartum depression. It's called xeranolone. And it's really special because we don't have anything like this on the market to treat postpartum depression.
1: From the newsroom of The Washington Post, this is Post Reports. I'm Elahe Izadi. It's Tuesday, November 14th. Today, how the first pill to treat postpartum depression Might change the world of maternal health. And also, we talk about why it took so long to get here. So, Sabrina, before we get into exactly how this pill works, I do want to first talk about postpartum depression. For those people who don't know what postpartum depression is, can you just give us a sort of overview?
2: So postpartum depression is symptoms that last longer than two weeks. So it can include depressed moods, loss of interest, lack of sleep or even very little sleep, feeling of worthlessness. And in some cases, you'll have like suicidal ideations. So if you're feeling like this, even one of these feelings, I would highly recommend just going to speak with a physician or somebody who you really trust because sometimes these feelings can start off really small and then just manifest and
1: snowball into something way bigger. And do we know exactly what causes postpartum depression?
2: No. And it's one of those things where research is still ongoing. But many of the experts I spoke with say it's a combination of things. So physically, you are going through these immense hormonal changes. You're Estrogen and progesterone levels are fluctuating like crazy. And then you also have life changes. You are not getting sleep because you're caring for a newborn. You are potentially healing from the physical trauma of giving birth. And all these combined with the physical, emotional, mental toll can sometimes drive women into this huge state of despair.
1: Yeah. How common is postpartum depression?
2: Right. So it's thought that one out of every seven women have postpartum depression. Mm. And I think that number is even being generous. I think more women might have it. And that's because a lot of this is self-attested. You go to your OB after you give birth for a checkup and you fill out this form. So there's no really good way of calculating how many women actually suffer from this. But I think I would say the number is a lot higher
1: Yeah, I want to understand why this is so common, particularly in the United States. What are some of the other factors that could be contributing to this?
2: So one of the biggest factors of maternal depression that a lot of behavioral scientists will attribute to are socioeconomic status, education levels, and a lot of social entitlement programs that we don't have here in the United States I think we need to think of it in a broader term of what contributes to this depression. Hmm. So it's not just the hormones. It's not just lack of sleep. The United States does not have any federal leave, which contributes to women feeling potentially sad about leaving their baby,
1: having to go back to work. So it sounds like, you know, for mothers who are experiencing postpartum depression that This can be a very scary experience. You're in a very vulnerable moment. You've just had a baby. Your baby is so vulnerable. Can you tell me what the mothers you've spoken to who have been through postpartum depression have said about their own experiences? So postpartum depression also includes
2: postpartum anxiety. So sometimes when women give birth, they have this overwhelming anxiousness to them where they feel like they're going to do something wrong, they're going to hurt their baby. I have heard stories from other moms who have said they just feel like they're not good enough for the baby.
0: For me, it felt a little bit like I was dissociated, like I was not in my body. I was like somewhere else, like I had left and I didn't really know where I had gone. We heard from Claudia Naeem Burt earlier, and she told us about experiencing
2: postpartum depression. She described it like being pulled down in quicksand.
0: As a very self-aware person who's passionate about this space and tries to encourage women to ask for help, it got away from me. I think I was so in the grind of it that I lost perspective of how bad it had gotten.
2: The women that I've spoken with about this have said that when they have gotten to this point where they feel so depressed, they just feel like there is no alternative to being a good mom. They're just a bad mom, and that's all that it's going to be. They don't feel like there's any hope. This is it. These feelings will never change. And, you know, as they're going through these motions, things do get better, but they don't see it at the time.
1: Yeah, it's interesting you bring that up because I think part of the dynamic is, you know, when you're having a baby, the way the broader culture and all of the messages you're getting is, this is supposed to be the happiest time in your life. So if you are experiencing postpartum depression, I would imagine, you know, contrasting that against that social media experience of what you're supposed to, quote unquote, feel like can be even more isolating.
2: Absolutely. I mean, with everything, social media enhances the best parts of people's lives. I remember when I gave birth and you go up to the postpartum recovery ward and then they have this whiteboard and the baby's name, the baby's weight. And then at the bottom it said, feed baby every two to three hours. And I think at that moment I was like, oh my God, How am I going to do this every two to three hours? How am I going to survive? And I remember feeling so overwhelmed and so guilty because I wasn't going to be able to do this. And then you go on Instagram, you go on TikTok, and you see these moms who talk about how great it is and how it changed your life and you find a purpose. And I just felt like, oh, my God, I don't know what I'm doing right now.
1: Yeah. Okay. So tell me more about this pill. Exactly how does it work?
2: So the drug is called Zuranolone and it is a neuroactive steroid. It is a pill that's used once a day for 14 days and it's going to help regulate the hormones that contribute to postpartum depression. Sometimes hormones fluctuate so drastically to the point where your body's unable to regulate them, which can contribute to the feelings of postpartum depression. And it works quickly. And unlike other antidepressants like SSRIs, you don't need to kind of, quote unquote, get used to it. It's just very fast acting. So people can be on antidepressants like Lexapro for years. But with something like Zuranolone, you have to be on it for a short amount of time. Are there any side effects that people should be aware of? So the FDA issued warnings that said some of the side effects could include drowsiness, dizziness, diarrhea, and they also warned that you shouldn't take this if you're going to drive. So experts and healthcare providers recommend that the medication is best taken at night before sleep. And one thing to note is that they also didn't do any clinical trials on breastfeeding mothers. So I guess it's kind of one of those things where it's a risk-benefit analysis. If the mom is breastfeeding and she really needs this medication, maybe the breastfeeding ceases and she takes the medication, you know. You weigh that scenario.
1: Right. And is this available right now? How can new moms access this drug?
2: Right. So they would definitely need to speak to their primary care or OB. And I think the moms need to just be really honest with themselves and with their physicians. Like there is medication, there is help out there. It's just waiting to be used. So going to your OB and telling them you need help, which is, I think, the biggest hurdle for a lot of women just admitting that they need help. Admitting that this, you know, journey into motherhood isn't this social media, Instagram, picturesque thing. It is real. It is traumatic. There are so many unknowns. So I think just being really honest and saying that you need help is like the first step.
1: After the break, women have been dealing with postpartum depression for a very long time. So why did it take this long to develop this medication in the first place? We'll be right back. Okay, so Sabrina, I want to understand what postpartum care in general is like in the U.S. and why it's taken so long to even get this medication in the first place. So first, can you just walk us through what the standard treatment was for postpartum depression?
2: Previously, the only FDA-approved treatment for postpartum depression was this IV injection called Zoloresso. And it could only be given in certain healthcare facilities. And it was kind of one of those things where, you know what, you're feeling a little sad. We'll prescribe talk therapy. We might prescribe an antidepressant. So having something like this is, it's just a very specific treatment for a very specific problem. With the postpartum depression pill, it can be taken at home. So access is going to be easier for so many people.
1: And then if we step back and just think about postpartum care in general— What is the state of postpartum care like in this country?
2: Accessing postpartum care in this country really depends on a lot of factors, and it's sometimes wholly uneven across demographics and socioeconomic classes. So we spoke with Dr. Lena Mattel. She's a psychiatrist and the chief of the Division of Women's Mental Health at Brigham and Women's Hospital in Boston. And she said in the United States, postpartum care is very lacking.
3: Overall, in the U.S., the landscape is relatively bleak for postpartum individuals. We don't have adequate parental leave policies that enable people who are working to be able to take the time that they often feel would be helpful for their own recovery and for family growth and bonding, and that can put really undue pressure on families and family structures. In our country, we also don't have a lot of psychosocial and community supports built in for postpartum individuals who might benefit from home visits or peer support or lactation support, or adequate child care upon return to work, if that is a choice. And so there's really a lot of kind of inadequacies in overall support for postpartum individuals and
2: families. Postpartum depression has been understudied, has been underfunded when it comes to research. So having a drug like this is absolutely groundbreaking. The research behind this and the approval of this drug is going to be life-altering for so many women suffering.
1: Yeah, that's that's so big. And I'm also wondering, how does this connect to the infant mortality rates and maternal mortality rates in this country?
2: Yeah, among our peer nations, the United States has one of the highest maternal mortality rates and infant mortality rates, specifically around women of color, black women. It's one of those reasons that contributes to women feeling so hopeless and feeling so sad. There is no safety net here. We don't have a village to help raise our kids or to help care for ourselves after we give birth. It's kind of, you're you're just hoping you have a neighbor, you have a mom, you have a friend who's willing to help you, but we don't have any standard care.
1: So I have to ask, let's talk about how so many new mothers do experience postpartum depression, yet it's taken this long for a drug specifically for this and for emergency use to be on the market that is accessible. Why has it taken this long?
2: So first, it's really important to note that creating this medicine was really challenging. Dr. Mattel explained some of this. The scientific advancement
3: that happened around this medication's development took a lot of time and a lot of creativity. Getting something from a pill into the stomach and then into the bloodstream inherently is hard. And then also for it to cross into the central nervous system bloodstream is also hard. And so finding ways to do that, just the delivery system alone, was challenging scientifically.
2: But she also said that mental health resources and overall women's health don't get enough funding to adequately research these issues. I think the other piece of it, though, is that there's been
3: less resource devoted to mental health research and mental health treatment overall as compared to other conditions. And then inherently, I think there's a lot of data to support that conditions that differentially impact women have often gotten less resource, attention, and money
1: put towards research and development as well. So in the conversations you've had with physicians, what have they told you about this pill and the impact it could have?
2: Many physicians have told me they're incredibly excited about this. It's one of the things that they said they will offer to their patients as the first line of treatment if they see that they are suffering immensely to the point where this could potentially save their lives. I spoke with a physician at NYU, and she was telling me that when her patients come in, she sometimes feels a little hopeless and bad that she's not able to offer them more besides a script for a psychiatrist or, you know, try talk therapy or potentially put them on an antidepressant that's not specifically for this. But physicians like Dr. Mattel have also said that this pill will not fix everything. It's like putting a band-aid on a huge problem. And the entire way we think about postpartum care needs to change. You know, I've heard this Turner phrase many times that at the end of a
3: pregnancy, the baby is the candy and the mom is the wrapper who gets discarded. A lot of resources get put towards the baby at the end. So there's a lot of built-in pediatric care and lots of resources towards child health. And then really what I think needs to be supported, you know, to avoid kind of pitting the needs of the caregiver against the needs of the baby, but really to draw the circle wider around the whole family
2: system is really where we need to get to. I guess as a society, if we are truly invested and interested in helping the betterment of mental health issues. I think removing the stigma is number one, and making sure that there is a public health effort to provide the information to communities at large, because I'm not sure a lot of the population knows about this postpartum depression pill. Making sure that this is made available to everybody is gonna be the first step into helping minimize the experience that so many women have with postpartum depression.
1: Well, Sabrina, thank you so much for joining and explaining all this for me. Thank you. Sabrina Molly is a health reporter at The Post. That's it for Post Reports. Thanks for listening. Today's show was produced by Ariel Plotnick and edited by Rena Flores. It was mixed by Sam Baer. Thanks to Victoria Jaggard. If you're already a Washington Post subscriber, you can now get access to Washington Post podcasts ad-free in Apple Podcasts. And there are even more subscriber-only audio benefits, like exclusive and early access episodes to our news shows, like the investigative podcast series from my colleague Martine Powers. It's called The Empty Grave of Comrade Bishop. Those episodes come out weekly every Wednesday, But if you're a subscriber, you can get those episodes two days early, on Mondays. If you're not yet a subscriber to The Washington Post, now is a great time to start. Subscribe in Apple Podcasts or by following the link in our show notes. I'm Elahe Izadi. We'll be back tomorrow with more stories from The Washington Post.